I want to thank Elise for being here today to share with us the talents of music. And, and also a thank you this morning to Dawn Bauman, who is double booked. So she's, she's not leaving because she's upset with us, at least I think. But um, <laughs> uh, yes, our, our regular worship leader, Andrew Linhart, came down sick this week. So Dawn filled in pretty last minute for us to be here on piano this morning so that we could uh, sing together when we gather for worship. We come here today to, to hear from God's word. So I'm going to be giving a message today that continues from the book of Micah. That's what we've been working through in this Advent series. And today, something about the rest of the story. So if you're old enough to remember who Paul Harvey is, this is back in the days when people listened to radio. I don't even know who listens to radio anymore. But Paul Harvey was a newscaster who, uh, besides giving the news, he had this weekly segment that he would do called The Rest of the Story. And he would tell a story about someone from history who tended to be rather famous, but would tell part of the story of, of the background that maybe nobody knew about. And, and as those details started to fill in and you get closer to hearing the story, then all of a sudden it begins to dawn and you, wait a minute. I know who this is. I know who you're talking about, but I never knew all of that background before. That's all news to me, but that's how Paul Harvey would do that. And and he would always end that segment with his lines, and now you know the rest of the story. I think we're up to a place in Micah chapter 5 where there's something of that rest of the story kind of a moment. All right, so Micah chapter 5, and I'm just going to read the first five verses, just through verse 5a, that sort of sets the scene for this. Here's what Micah says in the first five verses of chapter 5. Marshal your troops now, city of troops, for a siege is laid against us. They will strike Israel's ruler on the cheek with a rod. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor bears a son, and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand as a shepherd of his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely. For then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth. And he will be our peace. And then, as we've been doing through this series, also a little scene from the New Testament. Once again highlighting something of the ministry of John the Baptist. So today I'm going to take that from Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, and this is the story of when Jesus came to be baptized. So Matthew 3, and I'm beginning at verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. 
As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, something about the rest of the story that comes to us in this passage. What we see Micah telling us that fills in some of the background behind this story. I mean, we're talking about Advent. This is the time that leads up to Christmas. So, so this is the time when maybe in those stories that we know or you get Christmas cards in the mail and you see sort of the, the pictures, the artist renderings of that Christmas story of, of a stable and Mary and Joseph and angels singing to shepherds and wise men coming with their gifts and all of those things that we sort of associate with the picture of Christmas and what that means. Sometimes maybe, though, in all of that, in all those scenes that come into our heads, those scenes that show up on Christmas cards, we, we forget how ordinary so much of this was. Mary and Joseph were ordinary people from an ordinary family and came from an ordinary town and the Roman Empire who calls for this census and says, all right, everybody go to your town of origin where your family is from. So Joseph has to take Mary and go to Bethlehem where Joseph's family is from. And Bethlehem, too, is just this ordinary village. Not really any place special. Filled with ordinary people. That the thing that Mary and Joseph were doing to participate in the Roman census, everybody was doing. Not just them. Sometimes we forget that, don't we? Sometimes, maybe as we go through that Christmas story, sometimes we we lose sight and sometimes we just think, well, it was only Mary and Joseph who did this traveling. No, no. Everybody was doing it. They were doing things like everybody else. Living life like everybody else in a regular world, a world that was filled with its own hassles and anxieties, a world where life could be messed up and broken, a world where people would strive just to get ahead and celebrate those victories when they happened, a world where people would mourn the losses when that took place, a world like everybody else and a world like ours where we, too, live everyday, normal, ordinary lives. We forget Jesus came into a world like that. We forget that on that first Christmas day, even though we know the story of shepherds in the sky who sing, and shep- or angels in the sky who sing, and the shepherds see that, and shepherds go to visit Jesus, and this miraculous birth that's told, even though we know that story, only the shepherds saw that back then. Only the shepherds. Most of the people who lived there at that time knew nothing about this. It was just another ordinary day for them. 
for most of the people in the world. Just ordinary. I think Micah wants to point something of that out. That Micah wants us to see something about the way that Bethlehem is an ordinary place. He calls that out in this passage. Bethlehem is an ordinary place. Now, I am not certain that Micah had in mind that he knew what this prophecy would be talking about in the coming of Jesus. I'm not certain Micah actually knew that. God knew how these words would be used. But Micah, in this passage, is referring to something different when he calls out Bethlehem. Micah wants people to see something of the ordinary that takes place there. We'll get to that, and we'll unpack that. John the Baptist does the same thing. That when Jesus comes to be baptized, it's this ordinary river, the Jordan. And the people who were coming to John to be baptized, they weren't the nobility, they weren't the kings, they weren't the officials. It was the regular people of Israel. Just ordinary people like us. And Jesus comes to John and says, I need to be baptized too. John says, no, 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 not you. You're special. You're not like ordinary people. You're not like the rest of these. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. I came into this ordinary world to be just like these ordinary people so that they could know the salvation that God brings. Something of that which unfolds before us. Jesus insists on being included in this ordinary that takes place. So why does Micah mention Bethlehem? Uh, What's that about? That there's a contrast that takes place in that passage. In those first five verses that I read, and and I stopped at the first part of verse 5, but it continues on after that. The contrast. Verse 1 of the passage that I read from Micah today, verse 1, this is understood as Micah echoing the words he hears around him. When Micah says in that opening verse, marshal your troops, right? gather your weapons, that is not understood as Micah calling for that to happen. What Micah is doing there in verse 1 is he's saying, this is what I hear everyone around me saying. All of you, let's remember the setting. And and we've talked about this in weeks past with Micah. That Micah was living in the land of Judah during the time when the northern kingdom of Israel had already fallen to Assyria. So they'd been conquered. And Babylon is on its way to conquer and defeat Jerusalem and Judah. That there is an imminent threat coming. So Micah hears people all around him saying, Get the troops! Get the weapons! Make the defense. Gather our strength. That's what verse 1 is. Here's what I hear all the people saying. You're looking for leadership to come at the top ranks. You're looking for military power. You're looking for someone who's going to be the strongest of the strong. You're looking for a Messiah, a Savior in this moment. That's what the people were looking for. And that's where Micah turns his attention to Bethlehem. Let's remember Bethlehem. Because here's the thing. Who are the people really looking for in a Messiah? 
those Old Testament people. They were looking for David, a warrior king. They knew the stories. They knew the legend. David, that guy who faced the giant Goliath and all by himself with a slingshot and a stone, took him down, defeated the enemy that seemed like an enemy we could never defeat. David, the warrior king, was the one who did that. That's what the people were looking for. That's what the cry is behind those words in verse 1 that all of the people in Jerusalem are saying. Let's get the troops together and God, send us another David who's going to do what David did and fight on our behalf and defeat the giant that we never could. That's the Savior that the people wanted, that they were looking for. Micah speaks into that. And into that, here's what Micah says. Micah says to them, wait a minute. Remember where David came from? Remember his origins? You're jumping right to the part where he's a warrior king. But let's remember the rest of the story. That David was a shepherd boy from a nowhere village called Bethlehem to a just-the-same-as-everybody-else family with his father Jesse and his brothers doing just another job. It was a time when most households had livestock. So someone in the household took care of the livestock, a shepherd. Every family had people like that. This was ordinary. You're jumping right to the part where you want the king who's a warrior and fights the battle. Don't forget where that king came from. The ordinary, the everyday. That's what Micah is trying to point out here. Because when, when people get in a crisis moment, and those people in Jerusalem at that time, the time of Micah, they were living in a crisis moment. When people get in a crisis moment, they long for and think of the expectations that will get them out of it, that will avert that crisis. Here's what one commentator has to say about that. Gary Smith says this about this passage. One factor that determines how people respond to a crisis is their belief about God's sovereign plan in relation to our plans for the future. That these people who lived in Jerusalem during the time of Micah saw the imminent threat coming of the Babylonians and they had their own preferred plan of how God was going to get them out of it that we all tend to do that when we face moments of anxiety or crisis or decision or indecision, that we come up with a plan that we think is ours best for us, and we say, God, I want you to do what my plan is all about. And when we think of it in terms of God, don't we always tend to go, like the Israelites, to the big, the extraordinary, the giant-killing kind, the King David, warrior kind. And Micah's reminder to the people then is a good reminder for us today, too, that God comes into the ordinary, that he comes in places where maybe we don't particularly expect God to show up. But that's 
where God comes. That's where God shows up. And so, in verses 2 and 4 of the passage that we read today, it, it talks about Bethlehem and a shepherd. It talks about things that are ordinary. The reminder to look for God to show up in ordinary places. The people who desperately needed God to show up at that time when Micah was living were not looking in the right places. We're not looking for God to show up the way that God was going to show up. They wanted an army to defeat the Babylonians when God's plan for them was to preserve a remnant scattered throughout the world so that his people may exist in all places. It's a reminder for us today, too, as we go into this Christmas season and we have those cards with those pictures and those scenes of angels and shepherds and wise men and gifts and all of that majestic celebration of Jesus coming into the world. The reminder of God showing up in ordinary places. Ordinary places where we might not expect to see God show up. So I don't think Micah had this in mind, the whole thing of Jesus coming. I think Micah was just talking about reminding the people that David came from an ordinary place. But God knew. God knew how those words would become a prophecy that fulfills again in the New Testament because it's God's plan, not our plan, not our idea, but God who shows up in the ordinary places, that reminder of what that looks like. So in that ordinary world of that time when Jesus was born, into an ordinary stable, well, maybe that doesn't feel ordinary for us. Because after all, who has stables? Maybe some people do, but not most of us. So let's imagine it. Imagine with me, all right, if it were to take place today, if Jesus were to be born today like Jesus was born as we see in the Gospels, what is the most ordinary place in our world that we could imagine that setting being? Well, we don't have stables, but in my backyard I have a tool shed. I don't know how many of you have that, or maybe a garage or something like that. That's kind of the equivalent of maybe what a stable was back then. Jesus would have been born in somebody's backyard tool shed. Not laid in a manger, but maybe laid in a wheelbarrow with shovels and rakes around. That's the ordinary, right? That's what we picture as just our common everyday thing. That's the world that Jesus came into. Or maybe to picture it a different way. For those of us who live here in Granville, I mean, there are a number of homeless people who live in Granville. Maybe we don't see that because most of the homeless people in Granville don't live on the streets. They live in their cars. So at any given time in the parking lot over at Cabela's or at Walmart over by 96, there are cars in the corner of the parking lot, and people live in those cars. 
That's the kind of world that Jesus came into. In our world today, it wouldn't be in a stable in a manger. It would be in the back seat of a rundown sedan in the corner of a Walmart parking lot. Can you picture that? See that happening? That's the ordinary. That's the everyday. That's where Jesus came. That's the world that Jesus came into. So if you want to look for God, and sometimes, sometimes during this Christmas season, we're looking for God, we're looking for Jesus, and we're wondering, sometimes we wonder, where does God show up? Why doesn't it feel like God is present? Or why don't I feel like God is there when I'm looking? But the reminder from Micah is a reminder for us today, too, that God shows up in ordinary places. It's not that God didn't show up. It's maybe that we're looking in the wrong place. Because it's in these ordinary places, these ordinary places of the world, that's the place where God meets us. That's the place that God came into. So it's not that we have to be super religious people with all the religious degrees and backgrounds and have all the knowledge and understanding. God calls ordinary people to faith in an ordinary world. And he comes to meet us in that ordinary world right where we are in those ordinary places. Micah wants to point us to the rest of the story because in his day, the people were missing it. They were missing the rest of the story because they were looking for the big, grand entrance when it was just in the everyday life that God shows up. That's a good reminder for us going into this Christmas week, isn't it? That good reminder that as we're looking for that and celebrate that big, grand entrance of Jesus into the world, that Jesus came into an ordinary world in an ordinary way to meet with us, ordinary people, so that we could be saved by his perfect righteousness. This is the God who came into the world as we anticipate this time of Christmas, maybe we anticipate big things. Maybe you're hoping for that big present to come under the tree, right? That thing you always wanted. Or maybe you're anticipating some kind of a family gathering where everyone is together and you're all filled with joy together. But in this ordinary world, Jesus comes into those regular places those everyday places, those places where maybe we forget to look, but that's where he meets us. Let's not forget that this Christmas season, that God came into our ordinary, everyday life to meet with us right where we are. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word and the reminder in your word that you have come into an ordinary world. And Lord, as, as we come into Christmas this week and we think about all of the ways that you show up in our world and sometimes we lose sight and 
think that it's something big and grand. That the only thing we see and hear about are angels who sing and shepherds who rejoice and magi who bring gifts. God, it's the reminder once again that most of the world never saw you show up that first Christmas day into that ordinary world because they weren't looking. They weren't expecting. They weren't ready. So Lord, turn our hearts toward you that we may be looking and expecting and anticipating you in those ordinary places of our world. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Savior. Amen.